Thank you, Patrick. And as Patrick mentioned, um, he and Heather, we do have a table set up outside, uh, right outside this door here. Um, and, uh, and if you want to go by and uh, encourage them or, or find out some more information about their ministry, uh, they'll be set up right out here uh, after the service. Um, if you will, uh, turn your Bible to Psalm 51. Uh, we're going to begin here this morning. First of all, I want to thank Patrick for sharing your testimony this morning. Unfortunately, we don't get the opportunity to hear stories like this very often. We don't get the opportunity to have people stand up on stages like this, behind lecterns like this, and speak about real-life struggles. We don't get to hear the stories of addiction or divorce, the challenges we have in our marriages or parenting. We don't tell the stories of financial struggle or about how the toxic relationships that we have found ourselves in uh, often just leave our lives messed up. We don't do it because we have allowed church to become this place where we feel like we have to be perfect. Imperfect people afraid to share their imperfections. So we don't talk about our struggles and honestly, that starts with our pastors and our church leaders. As pastors and church leaders, we have helped to create a culture in which we all think we should leave our hurts, habits, and hang-ups at the door. You see, God's people lack transparency. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I ask you this this morning. How can we talk about God's grace and mercy when we are scared to talk about our own failures and how God has redeemed us? Well, this morning we won't completely change that mentality, but I hope that after this morning we will alter it in some way. My hope is that today we will be able to look inside ourselves and simply be honest, honest about our addictions, our struggles, our hurts, our guilt, and our shame. We will take on those struggles in which we have hurt others or others have hurt us. Hopefully today we will leave a little better than in which we came because we were open with ourselves we will be at a place where we all understand we need to be restored. Psalms 51. Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion, blot out my rebellion. Completely wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. For I am conscious of my rebellion. And my sin is always before me against you. You alone, I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. 
I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Surely you desire integrity in the inner self, and you teach me wisdom deep within. Purify me, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Turn your face away from my sins and blot out all of my guilt. God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or take away your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. Then I will teach the rebellious your ways, and sinners will return to you. Save me from the guilt of bloodshed, God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not want a sacrifice, or I would give it. You are not pleased with the burnt offering. The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. You will not despise a broken and humbled heart, God. In your good pleasure... Call Zion to prosper, build the walls of Jerusalem, then you will delight in righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings, then bulls will be offered on your altar. This morning I want to tell you a story about a boy. He grew up as a shepherd. He was the youngest of eight boys. He didn't have wealth, he didn't have power. He was poor in in both of those areas as as well as most, but God used him. As a young man, he gained in popularity mostly because he killed a Philistine giant. And he was on the fast track to be something great. He became a great leader, and as his popularity increased the current king's popularity decreased to a point it was pretty clear that David would one day become king. When God gave him that opportunity, he was a great man and a great king. In fact, he was known as a man after God's own heart. But one night he was walking along the roof of his palace when he looked down and and he saw this woman across the way. This beautiful woman bathing on the top of her home. And suddenly his mind went to places it shouldn't have. But it did nevertheless. And before it was over, David was sleeping with Bathsheba. His adultery led to murder. And murder led to a downward spiral in David's life. David and Bathsheba had a child, and in 2 Samuel 12, we learn that that baby ended up dying because of David's sins. That emotionally killed David, and that is what he wrote 
or that is when he wrote what we just read from Psalms 51. In 2 Samuel chapter 13, David's oldest children just seemed to lose their mind. Maybe some of us can relate to that. David's son Amnon falls in love with David's daughter Tamar. Like his father, he wanted what he didn't need. And Amnon ended up raping Tamar, committing sexual sin just as his father did. When David's other son Absalom learned of this, he had his brother killed. What a cycle of events that had destroyed David's house. When we think of David's sins, we automatically think, Oh, well he committed murder and he committed adultery. And he did. However, David's sin goes much deeper. Like many of us, there was a root to his struggles. As I said earlier, David grew up a poor shepherd boy with no power or no say-so. Being the youngest of eight boys, he probably did not get much attention. As an only child, I don't really know what that's like. We remember that before David became king, he had a chance to kill Saul, the current king. But he didn't. He showed restraint, grace, and mercy. He showed humility. But once he became king, he became addicted to power. Something he had never had. And when he got it, in his mind, he became invincible. Much like us at times, when we get our lives out of balance. See, David messes up once, and then again, and before you know it, he is stuck in this cycle of unfortunate events. Man, that just seems too real, too familiar. You see, we all have struggles, and sin is real. It has been ever since Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God. None of us are exempt. Today, if you'll look in, in your bulletin, uh, I have provided a, a list there in the, in the middle section of, of addictions. And for the sake of, of making things uh, easier for us to digest, uh, let's not call them addictions. Let's call them struggles. And as we look through the list, maybe we'll find something that describes our lives. Maybe our struggle is not alcohol or drugs, but, but maybe it's diet pills or, or weight loss drugs. You know, when we see that, that new quick fix, that new weight loss pill that pops up on Facebook, we're the first one to buy it. Maybe our struggle is work. Is our home life not what we want? Our marriages, they're struggling. And so we sink all of our time into our job so we keep from having to face reality. What about the fastest growing addiction in our country right now? Technology. We're becoming more and more reliant on our cell phones, iPads, and social media 
And we're raising our children to do the exact same. Or maybe our addiction is church. Church. You know, we come here every week, every time the door is open. Why? Because that's what we do. We don't remember the last time we really felt the joy of being in the presence of God. We don't know what it's like to really worship. But here we are. Every Sunday morning and every Sunday night. Every Wednesday night. Because for some of it, it's no more than a habit. It's not about experiencing God. And in truth and honesty, we're no different than the alcoholic going to the bar. And we're no different than the pornography addict logging on to the computer. It's just a habit. It's just what we do. At the end of 2016, I had only been here a few months and and our pastor and myself began to have conversations with, with people in our church and, and people in our community about what it would look like for Carterville to begin a recovery ministry. Please hear me and know that this was not our idea. This was an idea that came from those outside of church leadership. This group was asking that we start a recovery ministry because it was something that was missing in our community. Sure, there are other churches and organizations doing recovery ministry, but they weren't meeting the needs of these individuals. So we embarked on launching this new ministry. And church, I can tell you this, standing right here before you this morning, Life Recovered is one of the most effective ministries that we have at Carterville Baptist Church today. It is slowly growing in number, but more importantly, Lives are being impacted every week. I had someone that regularly attends Life Recovered tell me a few weeks ago, this ministry saved my life and it saved my marriage. In church, I'm telling you this because I believe that real church happens in our chapel every Sunday at 4.30. If you are struggling right now in life or you know someone that is, I want to invite you personally to Life Recovered every Sunday at 4.30 in the chapel. We have leaders that know what they're doing. Anonymity is the highest of priorities. We don't accept sightseers. The people that walk through those doors every Sunday afternoon are some of the most courageous people that I know. Because they're not scared to walk in and say, I'm broken and I need restoration. In preparation for launching Life Recovered, I decided myself to go through a program called Celebrate Recovery. You see, I wasn't addicted to drugs or alcohol. I knew I didn't have an addiction. But I wanted to learn more about what was going to be taught in this new ministry of ours. So I began the 25-week study with a friend and mentor who led me all the way through. I can honestly tell you that this study changed my life, period. Celebrate Recovery is the best discipleship study you can do, hands down, no question. 
I've seen a lot of Bible studies in my time. I've participated in a lot of Bible studies in my time. It's better than anything that Lifeway publishes. It's better than anything Beth Moore puts out. It's the, it's the best. Because you cannot go through Celebrate Recovery and not become closer to Jesus. If you've never had a relationship with Jesus Christ, you will after this. And if you do believe in Jesus Christ, you will be drawn to Him in a new and radical way. While I was going through Celebrate Recovery, here's what I discovered about myself. Again, I wasn't addicted to drugs, sex, or alcohol, but I learned that I struggle with anger and self-esteem issues. Before going through my own process, I would admit that certain situations would frustrate me. The key word there is frustrate me. I would never say that I was angry because I didn't yell, I don't fight, I don't argue with my wife, but I learned that frustration is a core emotion of anger. And I learned that my anger was mostly stemmed from my fear of letting others down. You see, I fear what Lori, my parents, my grandparents, teammates, co-workers, or others might think if, if I struck out, or if I missed a shot, or if I did bad on a test, or if I didn't live up to certain expectations. I can't ever remember anyone putting any unnecessary pressure on me. It was all pressure that I was putting on myself because I needed to be needed. This struggle still exists today. This Wednesday will be two years that I will have been at Carterville Baptist Church. I am very grateful and appreciative of my time here. I am happy that God brought me here. But to be honest, there have been days over the last two years that have been very, very difficult. In the last two years, Lori and I have lost people that we were very close to. And whether you know it or not, and some of you do, Petal, Mississippi can be a very difficult place to live. The friendly city is not so friendly when you didn't grow up here. And sometimes it becomes less friendly when you don't have children. You see, I often find myself in the middle of a cycle where frustration turns to anger, anger to rejection, rejection to loneliness, and so on and so on. You see, I was someone that I didn't think I, I needed recovery. That, I was, that it was just something that was not for me, but recovery has changed my life completely. I've been able to identify things in life that are keeping me from being all that God created me to be. Recovery has changed how I live, and it has changed how I do ministry. You may not see it, or my coworkers may not see it, but Lori... My family, my friends, and others that I am close to have. I am still a work in progress, but I'm working on it. There's a saying in recovery that goes like this. Work it because it works. So work it because you're worth it. 
I am worth it, and you were worth it. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 9 and 10, But the Lord said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in weakness. Therefore I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in my weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Church, this is me standing in front of you this morning, being transparent and boasting. Sharing my weaknesses, not so you think more of me, but because you will know that Jesus has, is, and will continue to work in me, just like he can work in you. I am not perfect, and neither are you. None of us are. Not you, not me, not David, a man after God's own heart. You see, that's what makes us so special. We all need Jesus because we all need saved from something. So that is my story. I don't know if it will impact you in any way, just like I don't know if the story of David or or Patrick's testimony will impact you. I imagine it won't, because that's not how we're wired as human beings. We think about ourselves. Rarely does anyone else's story move us to take action in our own lives, and that's okay. That's okay. So this morning, I'm going to ask you all to think about yourself. David writes in Psalms 51, begging for restoration. What do you need restoration from this morning? I want to ask you. It's okay to admit admit that that you're broken. David writes that God is pleased with the broken spirit. 1 John 1, 8 through 10 reads, If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. That is verse 10. Those are not my words. For us to fully understand God's grace, we must fully understand our sin. And so, for a few moments, I want to take a little time out. And I want us to all direct our attention to the bulletin here. And I want us to to reflect on on our own lives. Again, think about ourselves. For some of you, there's a a pen in the pew in in front of you. You You can circle those struggles that are in your life. You can answer those questions that are there. Or you can just look at it and, and you can reflect inside your heart and inside your mind. But I want to ask you, what are your hurts, habits, and hang-ups this morning? What are your struggles? 
There is a saying in recovery that if you can't find your struggle on this list, maybe pride is your issue. Maybe you think you've got this. You don't need help. You know, nothing to see here. Move on. I'm, I'm good. And so take a moment to, to reflect on those. And let me ask you this as you reflect. Are you to a point where your struggles are hurting your relationships? Where what's going on in your mind and in your heart, it's affecting your relationship with God. It's affecting your relationship with your spouse or with your friends. And maybe you're at a point where you want to talk to somebody. Maybe you're not. I'm going to also ask you to, to take this list home and, and think about it today and, and think about it this next week and, and in the weeks to come. And what are you struggling from? And like David, there's always a root to our struggles. And I want to encourage you to, to think about the, the root of your struggles and think about the root of your sins. And I pray that, that you overcome that. And that through this, you will be drawn closer to the Lord. In Psalm 31, 4, David writes that it is God that has freed him from the net that is secretly set for him. That net for David is the source of great suffering and great pain. For David, that net could have been guilt, shame, pride, or that need for power. And like David, we struggle with our own net that traps us. But we can be freed, and God can free us from whatever we are dealing with. And so I'm going to ask the musicians, if y'all will, come forward, and in just a second I'm going to pray. But I want to take this opportunity one last time, that if you are at a point in your life where you are struggling to overcome your, your hurts, your habits, your hang-ups, or that they are negatively affecting your relationships, I want to encourage you to talk to someone. I want to invite you one more time to Life Recovered. You know, there's this notion that life recovered is for only those that, that are struggling with, with drugs and alcohol. I am in life recovered every, every opportunity that I get. I don't struggle with that, with drugs, don't struggle with alcohol, don't struggle with pornography, sex. But I need it. And so I want to ask you this morning, 
If, if that's you, if you will, take that first courageous step and talk to someone. It doesn't have to be me. It doesn't have to be somebody in the church. But talk to someone. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for your grace, your love, your mercy. God, something that, that we all need. And God, I, uh, I pray for, for people like myself. I pray for, for others that are, God, that, that we just struggle. We struggle with things that life throws at us. God, I pray that we all understand that through you, we are redeemed. And through you, we can be restored. And God, that is why you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to save us. But just because we are Christian, just because we come to church, does not mean that we have the right to just continue hurting and continue struggling and continue with our addictions. God, that's not what you called us for. As David teaches us this morning, God, you are pleased with a broken spirit. God, you are pleased with the humbled. You are not pleased with those of us that just think we have it all together because we don't. And so God, I pray especially for those today that, are, that know that they are struggling, that are seeking answers, that are seeking help, that are seeking peace, that are seeking comfort. God, I pray for them. Church family, we're going to move into our time of response and um, the, the altar is going to be open here for anyone that wants to come and pray. Uh, the, uh, I'm going to be down front. I'm going to ask Ben to, to come in and be down front. Uh, we want to pray for, for anybody that would like to be uh, prayed for, prayed with. We want to do that this morning. Uh, if anybody has a decision that they want to make, if you accepted Jesus Christ for the first time this morning, we want to, if you will come down, we want to celebrate that with you. Or maybe you want to make that decision there uh, at the pew uh, by yourself, and that's okay. There's a card in front of you that says Connect at Carterville. If you would like, you can fill that out and you can inform us of, of your decision today and, and you can drop that off quietly anonymously as you walk out the doors today in the red drop boxes. And also want to make this invitation. If you are struggling today with an addiction or with a hurt and you want to talk to somebody or you just want to be prayed for, if you just want to fill out one of those cards and, and you drop it in that drop box, we will pray for you. I will pray for you. And if you want us to reach out to you, we will do that as well.
Let's respond.